It is exciting to be able to open the word to you again this morning. Uh, one of the classes that I'm taking this semester is homiletics, which is basically a how to preach class. It's really practical stuff, um, how to make a three-point sermon, how to speak in front of people, stuff like that. Um, but what we're only two weeks in, but one of the things that he's made very clear is the best way to learn how to preach is to preach. So thank you very much for the opportunity to do that. If you have looked at the front of your bulletins this morning, it says uh, that our title is Delighting in the Law of the Lord, and we are going to be in the book of Psalms in chapter 1. Before we get started, let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning that we can come and we can gather together and sing songs of praise to you. Uh, to give offering to you, to have announcements together and live life together and to open your word, Lord. Lord, I pray for us today that we would be attentive, Lord, that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, that you would make us moldable to what your word says, Lord, that you would change us. I pray as well for myself as I speak that you would give me wisdom and you would protect me from saying anything false. In your name, amen. So if you could turn to Psalms chapter 1, and if you don't know where that is, you can almost split your Bible in half, and it's a little closer to the front, Um, but we are going to read the first chapter. And this morning, actually, why don't we stand and read Psalms chapter 1 together? And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let's be seated. Before we start to dig into this, I just want to give a little bit of background on the book of Psalms. Um, Psalms, as many of you know, consists of 150 chapters Chapter-wise, it's very, it is the longest. Um, and its most popular author is King David. Or sorry, not most popular, more famous author, I guess, is, is King David. Um, something interesting that you might not know is uh, that about the, the headings. If you were to look in some of the, uh, the chapters, like chapters 3 or 4, at the top there, for example, on 3 it says, A Psalm of David, uh, when he fled from Absalom his son and that's all in capitals, those are actually in the original text. So if you were had a Hebrew Bible, that would actually be verse 1. So those are inspired, which is uh, pretty awesome that those titles, we have them. Um, and you can actually count on those as well and learn from them. 
Um, Psalms 1 is obviously the first. It's the beginning of the Psalter. And therefore, it gives us instructions on how we are to read the entire Psalms. How we should approach the entire book of Psalms. And we read in verse 2 when it says, To uh, delight in the law and on his law meditate day and night. But what is it referring to there when it says the law? There's a few possibilities. So first, it could be talking about the Mosaic law found in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Secondly, it could be talking about the law of Moses. So everything from around Exodus 20 to the end of Deuteronomy. Third, it could be referring to what we know as the Pentateuch, which is Genesis to Deuteronomy, everything that Moses wrote. But is there another option? What if the author is actually talking about the book of Psalms itself? To meditate day and night on the book of Psalms. And it's quite interesting. Um, Psalms is broken up into five separate books. And so right at the beginning of Psalm 1 there, you can see it says book 1. And these five books are actually meant to complement and follow the five books of the law. Genesis to Deuteronomy. They go, they go together. So when it says to meditate on the law, or the, the Hebrew Torah, it means the instructions of the Lord. So we could therefore read it as, uh, His delight is in the instructions of the Lord. And on His instructions, they meditate day and night. So we're supposed to read the Psalms in a way that we can learn from them and get instructions from them. And you don't have to be a a linguist or have a doctorate in, in English to realize that the Psalms are written in songs and poetry. But why is that? Well, if you were to look on dictionary.com about what poetry is, it says that poetry is the art of rhythmic composition, written or spoken, for exciting pleasure or beauty, and that it elevates thoughts. Poetry stirs up our emotions and the expressions that we have inside of it. It's a very emotional form of literature, and Uh, John Piper says that if we read the Psalms just for doctrine, then we're not reading them the way they're meant to be read. They are meant to move us, not just to inform us. And who here likes reading the Psalms? Like, I'm sure there's some people that their favorite books are the Psalms. And one of the reasons for that is because it touches our emotions. Again, uh, Piper uh, on the Psalms says one of the reasons the Psalms are so deeply loved by many Christians is that they give expression to an amazing array of emotions. And listen to this list that of 24 emotions that he pulled together out of the book of Psalms. First, loneliness. I am lonely and afflicted. Love. I love you, O Lord, my strength. Awe. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Sorrow. My life is spent with sorrow. Regret. I am sorry for my sin. Discouragement and turmoil. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Um, Contriteness. A broken and contrite heart, O God. 
you will not despise. Shame. Shame has covered my face. Marveling. This is the Lord's doing. It is as marvelous. It is marvelous in our eyes. Delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Joy. You have put joy in my heart that they have when their grain, that more joy in my heart than when they, they have with their grain and wine. Gladness. I will be glad and exult in you. Fear. Serve the Lord with fear. Anger. Be angry and do not sin. Peace. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Grief. In my eye, waste away with grief. Desire. O Lord, you have the desire of my heart. Hope. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Brokenheartedness. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Gratitude. I will thank you with great, with the great congregation. Zeal. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Pain. I am afflicted and in pain. And confidence. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. The psalm touches on such a wide array of emotions. No matter what's going on, it always has some, there's always a psalm that we can relate to emotionally. So today, as we look at Psalm chapter 1, what is it that we can learn and be instructed from out of it? My first point then is, first that we can be shaped, is to be shaped by the Word. Be shaped by the Word. So let's read chapter, or verses 1 and 2 again, and it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It is very interesting the way that uh, the author organizes that first verse, because he really could just say, blessed is the man who's not wicked, a sinner, or a scoffer. And that's basically seems to be what he says there, right? Uh, he just does it, in it using negatives. But instead... He's talking about how people identify with different sins. So notice in, in, the, in verse 1, there's three verbs which talk about the wicked, the sinful, and the scoffer. And so first, he does not walk with them. And he does not stand with them. And he does not sit with them. And these three uh, different verbs, they describe levels of commitment. So if you were to walk with the wicked, then we, we casually identify with them. We go to and fro. We're not really set in our places. We're just kind of there. If we're standing with the sinner, it shows that we agree with their position. We're more firm in line with them. And if we sit with the scoffers, then that's full commitment. We're planted where we are in that sin. And these three levels show how we're influenced by the world. It is other... We could be just casually walking around in the world, uh, not really influenced by it, uh, just here and there. Or we could be sitting and fully just planted in the ways of the world. Either way, we're being shaped by the thinking and the teaching of the world, no matter how much, no matter what level we're at. And verse 2 provides us with a contrast. It says that, uh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed man, he's not shaped by the influence of the world as in verse 1. Instead, he's influenced by 
the law of the Lord by the instructions of the Lord. So how is it then that we can tell, are we influenced by the world or are we being influenced by the instructions of the Lord? The, the, the psalm specifically is what it's talking about, but for us, the entirety of Scripture. What are we being influenced by? And um, I think the easiest way to, to tell is to find, what do we find our delight in? Think about it. Why do people do wicked things? Why do people do all these sinful things? Why do we sin? It's because it's not out of duty. We don't have to do it. We like to sin. We love our sins. We delight in doing what's wicked. People delight in doing what's wicked. That's why we sin. And what the psalmist is saying is that the righteous person, instead of delighting in doing what's wicked, he delights in the law of the Lord. But when should we delight in the law of the Lord? How often? I mean, if we're only standing with the sinners just once in a while, isn't, isn't that okay? No. Verse 2 is clear that they're meditating on the law of the Lord day and night. What does it mean? It refers to something that's happening constantly. We're constantly delighting in the law of the Lord. There's never a time when we're not meditating on God's instructions. Constantly delighting on God's instructions. Constantly. That means that there's no time to walk with the wicked or to stand with the sinners or to sit with the scoffers. And it doesn't matter how involved we want to be with the ways of the world. There's just not time. Not if we're constantly delighting in God's word. We can't delight in other things if we're constantly delighting in God's word. The righteous person, in other words, in other words, the Christian needs to be constantly delighting in this book, in the Bible, constantly. And let's just look at some specific examples. Um, Think about things that we do. When we wake up in the middle of the night in a panic, what do we do? Do we roll over and grab our phone and check Facebook, or do we go and get up and watch the news or something on TV to try and calm us down? When we lose the loved one, do we go onto social media like Instagram and post lots of old pictures of them? Or do we go on something like Netflix and watch Netflix all day long to try and dull the pain? When we get a bad medical diagnosis, do we go and like, we better eat as well as as I can now and go and eat the best food you can find and just enjoy it as being the best food? Or do we instantly go to our... And start saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely gladness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that what we do? Or if we get a promotion at work, do we have to go and... I'm not a Snapchat person, but if you're one of those people that uses Snapchat a lot, uh, we update our Snapchat story. Or or post a picture on Facebook or call our family and our spouse right away because we're so excited. 
or say we get a new child or a grandchild, uh, do we have to go and like get a bunch of pictures of them and send them to everybody? Or say we, we get into a new relationship, do we have to update our Facebook profile right away? Like, is that the first thing on our mind? Or do we instantly start to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems you from, redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Is that what we do? That's where we find our delight. When things are hard or when things are easy, do we instantly go to these things of the world or do we go to the Word? Do we know the Word in our hearts? Are we meditating on it? Something happens and we just start quoting off Psalms or quoting off other Scripture verses to comfort and, and to help us. That is what it means to delight in the law of the Lord. Are we really delighting in the law of the Lord? My second point is to be in the Word. So how is it then that we can make sure that we are delighting in the Word of God and not in the world? Well, I think the answer is found in verses 3 and 4, so let's read those again. Like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. As you can see, the author gives these two images. The first is of a tree, which is the righteous person, and the second is of chaff, which is the wicked person. I just want to look at the tree to start. And when we look at the tree, um, there's a few things we want to notice. First is, where is it planted? And this tree isn't just planted anywhere. It's planted by a stream of water. And this is really important when you think of this being written um, by in the time of Israel, um, in the terrain that they're in, it's hot, it's a desert terrain, it's hostile to growth. Things don't grow there apart from water, there's not much rain. But this tree has no problem growing because it, it has this water source right beside it. And, and we know that because it says that it bears its fruit in its season, it's producing like it should, its leaves don't wither, it's not dying. It's a healthy tree thriving in a hostile environment. And the only reason for that is because of the stream of water. And without the stream, the tree would die. It wouldn't produce fruit and its leaves would be all withered. It's all because of the stream. But how does that connect with us? Well, first, we need to think about how the tree is planted by that stream of water. Did it walk there? No, probably not. Trees don't walk. Uh, did it plant itself? No, someone planted it there, right? It was the gardener who put it there. And likewise, by God's grace alone, as Christians, we have been planted by the ever-flowing stream of water, the Word of God. And as Christians, He's given us this Word um, so that we too can thrive in a hostile environment and prosper and and bear good fruit. And we're going to bear this fruit for God's glory and for the benefit of others as well. And furthermore, 
since uh, this is not our doing and we haven't planted ourselves by the stream, we can also remember that we can't take any credit for any of the fruit we bear because it was really God, the gardener's reason that we've been able to bear fruit because we're by the stream. So all glory goes to God. And what fruit is it that we produce? Well, it's the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And like the tree, we are to thrive in this hostile environment by the Word of God alone. And if we don't have this, the Word of God, if the, if the tree doesn't have the stream, then we too will die. And secondly, I want to look at how this this tree interacts with the water, with the stream of water. Obviously, since it's, it's growing in a desert climate, um, the roots are in contact with the water and absorbing the water into itself so that it can grow. So how, what does that mean for us? Well, first, it doesn't mean that if you put your Bible on your nightside table at night, because you're near it, that's going to help you. Or if you have it on your coffee table at home or on your bookshelf, that's, that's not going to help. If you like close it, put it up to your face, like it's not telekinesis. It's not going to work. And that might seem silly, but we seem to act that way sometimes, don't we? Like, ah, I'm close to it. It'll be good if I leave it open on the table. It also doesn't mean reading it, just simply reading it. The tree's roots could be completely in the stream of water, and that doesn't mean it's going to grow. Likewise, we can't just wake up in the morning, open our Bibles, read it as fast as we can. We go, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. Amen. And then go to work. That's, that's not going to cause you to grow. What we need to do then is to think and meditate on the Word of God. Storing it in our hearts, memorizing it the best way. We need, really, we need to memorize our Bibles. We don't memorize it very much. There's so many useful tools for doing it. Um, just writing it over a bunch of times can work. There's apps for phones now that will help you memorize Bible verses. I used one because we had to memorize all of Luke 2 in like two weeks for school. And you, you just helps you, like gets rid of various words and, and helps you try and remember it. And you just say it over and over and over again. Another one that works for me that I find really helpful is um, I write the first letter of each verse on my arm. I sorry, of each word on my arm. And then all day while you're sitting there, you look down and it's like, oh. And you start going through it. And people always ask you what you're doing and then you have an opportunity to share too. But we need to know the Word of God. We need to be meditating on it, thinking about it all the time. And the only way we can do that is if we read it, we truly think about it, and we memorize it and we store it inside of us. So that in these hard times, in the good times, in the in-between times, we can just start going through Scripture whenever we need it. Verse 2 is very clear that we needed to meditate day and night. To be completely saturated in the Word of God, absorbing all the truths of God by God's grace through the Spirit. I'll say that again. We need to be completely saturated in the Word of God, absorbing its truths and turning them into fruit by God's grace through the Spirit. That's the only way we're going to produce fruit, is by God's grace. 
And how can we expect to grow and how can we expect to produce good fruit if we're not in the Word of God all the time? If we're not thinking about the Word of God all the time? We have this overflowing source of, of water, the instructions of God, the Psalms, the entirety of Scripture, and it's been placed right beside it, so close that our roots can touch it. I mean, most of us are probably holding it in our hands right now. Now we just need to absorb it, and like a tree, or like a tree, we'll die. In the second half of that verse, we also see the imagery of the chaff. And it's obviously not planted by a stream of life. Uh, verse 4 is very clear that the chaff drives away. Uh, for those of you who don't know, chaff are the husks of corn and other seeds that separate in the winnowing and threshing process. And they just blow all over the place. They have no roots. Uh, the farmers actually just throw them away because they don't have a use for them. And scripture is clear that if we are not this tree planted by water, if we're not saved, then that is us. We're going to and fro and have no purpose and we're not bearing any fruit for anybody. But scripture is also clear that, that by faith in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross, we can be saved, planted by streams of water and useful for God's kingdom. If we want to make sure that we delight in the word and not in the world, then we need to be firmly planted in the instructions of God, absorbing it daily. Otherwise, our fruit, we're not going to have any. You can't just go, as a tree, you can't just go to the supermarket and like tape some on. Like that's not, it doesn't work that way. You need to grow your own fruit. And if we do this, we will delight in the things of God instead of the things of the world. My last point is to be pushed to Jesus by the word. To be pushed to Jesus by the word. So let's continue by reading this last two verses. Therefore, the wicked will not stand. Sorry, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked will perish. In the midst of this judgment, there's a lot of judgment in this, this verse for sinners, for those that, uh, that don't know the Lord, those that aren't saved. Uh, we see in verse 6 that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And this idea of knows is very personal. It's talking about this intimate relationship that you have with the Lord. And this is formed, just like any relationship, by spending time with one another. We have to spend time together if we want to form relationships. If you don't see a person, you can't have a relationship with them, right? If you don't talk to a person, you don't have a relationship with them. And uh, we, we, I think we all have seen that in our own lives. We probably have examples of Friends that we used to know that for whatever reason, maybe they moved away uh, or something happened and we don't talk with them anymore and we don't have that relationship anymore. It's, it's died off. The only way that we have relationships is by spending time together or and talking together. So how can we have a relationship with God, especially an intimate relationship, if we're not spending time with him in his word? 
We need to spend time together daily meditating on the instructions of God. And that way we can, having communion with him, build a relationship. This intimate relationship that he has with the righteous. But before we can have this relationship, the, the author here assumes he knows the way of the righteous. And how is it that we become the righteous? Well, Romans 10, 3 to 4 um, summarized basically says that if we, uh, if that all the law, the instructions of God, today as we've seen in the Psalms, is to point us to Christ and His righteousness. Righteousness comes from Christ alone. It can't be earned by our merit. So if we want to be the righteous person here that God knows and has this intimate relationship, this righteous person that is the tree planted by streams of water, the only way we can do that is by Christ alone and through Christ alone. We can't do it by ourselves. We are given righteousness by, as, as Scripture teaches, by Christ through faith, by grace, alone. And if today you're here and, and you've never heard this, you're like, I don't have the righteousness of God. I, I want to be clear that Scripture warns you that you will not stand, as it says here, you will not stand in the judgment, and you and all your ways will perish in everlasting punishment when Christ returns. That is... That is what the Bible says about the sinner. But it also says that the good news is that Christ has come and made a way for all people to be made righteous by his son and his work on the cross. And by faith alone, you can be made righteous before God so that you can now be this tree that produces fruit. That's by faith alone. You can be moved. You can no longer be chaff, but you can be a tree that is planted by streams of water. And for all those today that don't know Christ, I beg you to hear the words of Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, where it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn from your sins, accept Jesus, and get this free gift of eternal life to become this tree. And for those of us that are here today that know Jesus, and we are these streams that have been planted by streams of water. We have the Word of God. We need to meditate on it day and night. Drink and absorb the life that has been given to us in the Bible. We need to know the book of Psalms. Man, it's such a great book. We've seen how it it connects to us in every single moment. There's never a moment that you're going to go through that you won't be able to find a psalm to comfort you or to help you. And we need to know the other parts of Scripture too in the same way. Apply them to every aspect of our lives. We need to know all of Scripture. And this isn't going to go happen. This isn't just going to happen by itself. We can't. There's no quick way to, to learn scripture. We're all we all love quick ways now. Like we we drive places because it's faster. We like uh, we don't go to, for example, we don't go drive into Blockbuster, grab movies anymore, and bring them home. No, we just go on Netflix now or something like that. Um, we want everything done immediately, really quick, really fast, really quick. There's no fast and quick way to know the Bible. 
You have to read it every day and meditate on it and then apply it to your lives. And if you do this, then you will produce those good fruits of the Spirit. And your leaves will not wither. And you will become uh, more like God, more like Jesus. So be shaped by the Word. Be in the Word. Be pushed to Jesus by the Word. Don't delight in the things of this world, but delight in the law of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we have such ready access to it. Lord, I pray for all of us, including myself, that we would know your word better, that we would spend more time in it every day, that we would find all of our delight in your word instead of the things of this world. Lord, I pray for those that don't know you, that you would open their eyes to see their sin and their need for you, that they would listen to the warning that scripture says, the punishment that is coming, that they would turn to you. Be with us this day in your name. Amen.